0: You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 236. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. As you are listening to this, we have now passed the 8 million download mark for The Lively Show. Thank you so very much for listening and sharing this with anyone you think can benefit from it. It's truly your word of mouth and from the guests sharing this show that this is the reason so many people have listened to it so far. And I love and look forward to sharing with you more in episodes to come. So hopefully you can continue to get as much benefit as hopefully you've already been receiving. Now let's move on to today's show. Today's episode, I'm speaking with Megan Bowers, who is our just lively creative vlog editor. So she is the brilliant mind that creates the vlogs we've created on YouTube, and she also is a very talented wedding videographer over at PictoryProductions.com. Megan's coming on the show a few more times, and in October's episode, we've already pre-recorded for a special announcement on a special project I've been working on for you with her. We already have gone deeply into her story more there. So we're going to kind of share more about Megan in a future episode. But for today, she is a friend that I am sharing all of these subjects we're going to talk about together because I've gotten such great feedback around these friend conversations I've had on the show. I thought it might be more fun to hear a conversation around these subjects rather than me just doing a solo episode where I'm teaching you directly just me speaking on the microphone. So in this episode, we're going to go into some of the deeper nuances of the law of attraction and Abraham Hicks that I get a lot of questions about. Let's go to the show. Hey lady, how are you? Doing well. How are you? Good. I'm excited to talk with you today. You are representative of all listeners. How do you feel about no, I'm kidding, but No pressure. <laughs> You have to think of everyone's possible thoughts they're having right now as they're listening, and you need to tell me what they're thinking and ask those questions. We're going to try that as much as possible, but we're going to cover some stuff today about Law of Attraction and Abraham Hicks. You ready? I'm all in. Okay, so what we're going to talk about are the things that I get people asking me about Abraham and the Law of Attraction, and I'm going to clarify those points because I think having... Listen to whatever 3,000 hours of it at this point. I pretty much feel like if there was a certification for being Abraham certified, (laughs) I feel like I would have had it by now. So I'm going to try to clarify some points that a lot of people get confused on. And also, just hopefully, for anyone that's new to Law of Attraction, by the way, or Abraham, I'm going to ask you, Megan, what do you know about Abraham Hicks and the Law of Attraction so far? And I'll clarify for you and anyone else.
1: Absolutely. So, Abraham Hicks. I know is not a real person per se, and that it is someone that, and forgive me, I'm probably using wrong terminology, that Esther Hicks, who is a real person, he like is a voice that comes out of her. And when he discusses the law of attraction, it's the concept of like matching like. So it's great to have positive energy that comes forth because if you give off positive energy, you will get it in return.
0: That's really good. So yeah, just to clarify your thoughts on it so people can hear what you know, just for anyone about the pronouns. Abraham, you could say he... She or they, and you are right depending on the reference point you're taking. So let me explain. He, she, they. So she is Esther Hicks. You're right. She's a normal human that in the 80s started meditating, and after a really long time of meditating super happily, like I've never heard of anyone being so happy meditating as her, but she got super happy, and eventually she started realizing after months of meditation that for a while she had been signing the alphabet with her nose in the air. Like she was like moving her head, kind of wobbling around and not noticing. And then over time, she started noticing she was using her nose to create the alphabet in the air. And then it progressed.
1: That's crazy.
0: I know. So it was there. Then she used a typewriter and it said, I want to type or I want to type or I want to talk one of those words over and over again. Very The Shining <laughs> style, um, I imagine, as she's sitting there watching this come out of her. And then eventually she could just keep meditating. And from that open state of meditation, she started to eventually over time have this voice come through. And her husband, Jerry, would ask questions and this voice said its name was Abraham. So that's where Abraham comes through. So she's meditating and all of a sudden this voice starts kind of coming out of her. It sounds crazy but true. And that voice describes itself as an a group of non-physical entities. So I like to kind of think about it like a band. That's a way to describe it. Right? So they're like a band that they call themselves Abraham and So, it's technically kind of a they, even though the name, the band name is a masculine name, they're multiple. They never refer to themselves as I. So, they always say we and our. So, you could say he, she, or they if you're thinking about the word Abraham, that's technically a man's name or male name. Esther is technically the voice you're actually hearing. The voice box is Esther Hicks's voice. And Abraham, it's, it's kind of like a band. We're all in the band. We all agree. We all are making the same music together. But we're channeling it through her voice. Does that make sense?
1: I wish Abraham Hicks would come out with an album.
0: Oh, I would own that album? Well, they have a lot of DVDs, honestly. And there's a lot of meditation CDs you could get. <laughs> so there's kind of ways to get that. And there's thousands and thousands of hours of it on YouTube for free. So if you want to go find out and listen to this He, She, They band called Abraham, you can go on YouTube. People always ask me where to start. Just start with whatever flows. Law of Attraction. I think if you have a certain subject that you want to go into, there's no place to start other than the place to start. The number one spot is Audible and get their Law of Attraction book. Now, that is an Audible recording of her actually doing some of the early like 1980s recordings explaining the law of attraction in detail. And I love it. I would not read the book. I would listen because the voice of Abraham is just so powerful
1: to hear. And I was wondering, is there content when you're reading it or listening to it? Is it super heavy or can anyone pretty kind of pick up on it?
0: everybody can pick up on it. They're very funny. They're very sharp. They're very quick and they're very smart. So it's wonderful because in the Law of Attraction book, for example, it's mostly them just talking at you. And some of the recordings you'll find basically whenever they do a live event, which is pretty much every weekend around the US mostly. And then they do a few cruises around the world a few times a year as well.
1: You're going on one.
0: I'm going on one at the end of September. When I first found out about Abraham and I knew they did cruises, I don't know. I just had a weird judgment around <laughs> cruises. I was like, that's the cheesiest thing I've ever heard. I am going on the French Riviera cruise, and I could not be more excited. I think it will be the highlight of my year. So, like, I get to go to the French Riviera. I get to explore that stuff. And then when I'm on the boat, I get to listen to Abraham just like I would if I was on a plane or a train or in my Airbnb alone. Yes, please. So now I think it's the most brilliant thing they've ever come up with. <laughs> so... Abraham is on YouTube. I would say Law of Attraction. The Audible books, are the place to start. After that, just dive into the deep, deep ocean of content that's there. If you have a specific issue you want to get advice on, you could put in wealth, money, relationships, motherhood, self love. Like there's so many topics and just search it and then find a title of one of them that sounds interesting to you. So that would be where to go. And it's very fun. And most of them, if it's not just a solo, so they start off each of the sessions with a speech, then it's people sitting in the hot seat talking and asking them questions about their situation. So most of the recordings you're going to hear are them speaking to a human that has an issue. So they have to find a way to convey the information to that human and everyone listening. So that's where they break it down so that we can understand it.
1: So it's basically, it's Esther sitting there with the other person that has the question.
0: Exactly, both people have microphones and they're sitting there facing each other and everyone else is watching the stage.
1: And when that person asks the question, Esther is calling or channeling Abraham, and the rest of the band to speak. Yes. I've
0: actually been to one in California last year. So I saw the one-day events they do. Like I said, they mostly have one every Saturday. God bless Esther for traveling as much as she does. That's a lot of dates. And she says a nice little hello to people in the beginning. and She's she's so sweet. <laughs> but then she gets in the Abraham mode, and you're like, this is not the same energy that is Esther. Like It's a different, palpable Quality. And believe me, I've listened to probably the first thousand hours looking for a slip up or looking for a way to go. Is she like making this up? Because I was naturally more skeptical about all of this. Even though I love the content, I was like, what is actually happening here with this woman's voice and this whole thing? And I was, I literally spent probably the first 800,000 hours like skeptical. But at this point, how much I have listened, I'm like, there's no way I could imagine a normal human having the quickness, the dexterity, the perspective, the consistency, and everything that goes into what they share with so many people around the world. I deeply believe it's not Esther actually doing it from her own consciousness. So did that answer your question? It
1: does. Yeah, 100%. But what really spoke to you initially when you first started researching?
0: all of it, because to me, I shared this in the Things I'm Afraid to Tell You episode, I resonated very quickly with the material. And to me, I could have heard it maybe at another time in my life. And a less honestly like aligned or happy time in my life. And I probably would have been more skeptical. I probably would have been like, I don't know, I wouldn't have been ready for it. It was only after I was in the happiest place in my life and things were going better than ever that when I found it, I was like, oh, I've unconsciously stepped into this and in some key ways that really have made my life so amazing. And this whatever this is. And like I said, the first 800 hours, I was skeptical of the source, but I love the material. The material itself was what got me into this, not the channeling part, but the material was explaining how I had gotten so many key pieces of my life flowing so well. And from that point forward, I was like, well, I can do this deliberately rather than by accident. Sign me up. So that's when I got full
1: hardcore into this. So would you say that it was the law of attraction that attracted you to Abraham Hicks?
0: Oh, yeah. Yep. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. And I could have flowed into it sooner, and it's probably good I didn't. And some people say that they come back to it. I've got an email saying that they'll come back to the material after they've kind of found it initially and they didn't resonate. And then I did the same, I would say, with the Think and Grow Rich or Napoleon Hill. That was not my jam when I read it the first time. But now I understand his frequency more where before I found it a little bit boastful, a little bit crazy sounding. And I just wasn't in the alignment for it. Now I just get he has a really high frequency and a lot of alignment. And it just sounds great to someone that's kind of far from that. It's hard to hear sometimes when you're pretty far from that frequency. Sometimes it's like if you're really annoyed or angry and someone like bounces in like Tigger, you want to be that Eeyore. You're like, no, I'm not going up there. You're like, shut it down. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't consciously think I was unhappy when I was listening to this other stuff before, but I I wasn't ready for it. So here are some of the things I'm going to clarify and you're right in terms of the law of attraction it means like attracts like whatever you feel about you get so it's not your words and your thoughts it's the vibration of the emotion and i have this little pet theory i haven't studied this to find out if this is factual or not but i have this pet theory that neural peptides the emotions that we have that are released from our subconscious through our body and our bloodstream and i don't know if this is true but i have this feeling that there's probably some like frequency or resonance in those neural peptides that are doing the attracting. But either way, it's that emotional neural peptide that is really doing the attracting, not the words we say. So it's just like, I like to tell people, everybody's had a situation where someone says they're sorry and you're like, you're not sorry. And you know, you're like, you are not sorry. I am not accepting that because you know, the frequency of what they are at is not at the level of the word I'm sorry.
1: Does that make sense? It absolutely does.
0: Okay, so with this, I'm going to talk about some of the things that people have kind of complained to me about, but kind of questioned. One of them was from a friend who totally loves Tony Robbins. And he's like, well, I I think it's all true, but they're missing a huge part of this, which is massive action. that's something Tony always talks about, taking massive action. So I'm going to clarify about whether we need to take massive action or not, a la Tony Robbins. We're going to talk about another friend told me he had this kind of feeling after listening to a lot of Abraham. That it should always feel, quote unquote, easy and good all the time. And he was kind of confused about that versus Buddhism and suffering and just confused about should it always be easy and good. And then I want to clarify two other big points. One is what is your first manifestation and how to tell if you have it. And then the second one is self-love, Abraham style, and why it's the most critical part of all the desires. So if I wanted you to start with one thing that's going to be the magic bullet for everything that you want, it's self-love, Abraham style. So we're going to talk about that last.
1: Does that sound good? I'm excited.
0: Okay, so let's dive in. So don't I need to take massive action a la Tony Robbins? Is this something that you've ever questioned, Megan?
1: All the time, because... We're taught as, what is it? It's like, it's the American way. (laughs) You put your head down and put all your effort into it. And that's what gets you success.
0: Also, I think the Protestants that came over on the Mayflower, having that Protestant work ethic and that really strong value system It set up the U.S. to become the way it is. Yeah. And one of the things I learned in Amsterdam, I was at a bar talking to this guy and he made this interesting point I never really thought about. And I don't think it's nearly true for everybody, but he said a lot of the immigrants, because my family is from Italy, my grandfather's side, on my dad's side, he's Italian. And he said a lot of Italians that were rich didn't immigrate. He said like a lot of the time, the immigration, not always, but a lot of it was people that didn't have really great prospects in their own homeland saw the opportunities in the Wild West that was the US as a place to create potential because the class systems and their lifestyles in Europe often felt more limited. So when they came over working hard, for low wages, especially in the beginning, was a way to move up a social economic ladder. So even thinking about that, that's obviously there's exceptions, many exceptions to that. But think about if the backbone of this country is from people that didn't have a lot of resources in the beginning coming in and then working their butts off for very little wages, building the buildings, digging the trenches, digging the canals, the railway, all that stuff – for very low wages and very hard work. And that's a lot of the proportion of the people that came here. So thinking about that, it's like, well, yeah, it's just been generationally applauded and their lifestyle did increase compared to what they used to have. And some people, you know, they maybe started out in a low level position and then would raise up. And that was really cool because merit could have a lot to do with their climbing in the status here, potentially even more than where they were before. So again, it keeps reiterating over and over again, these economic social situations for particularly in the US potentially having a part to do with this. And I definitely think this is also, I've met a Colombian in Amsterdam (laughs) and he was saying that the mentality, I forget what he called it, of his Colombian family in town was also kind of that same immigrant work ethic, like even in Columbia, not even anywhere else, was just working hard. And that was like very highly praised. And that was the story they were told. That was how to succeed in life. So then we get Tony Robbins saying it too. So we're all kind of like, okay, we got to work really hard. We got Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, telling us to hustle every day on Instagram and on his vlog. We got all these sources telling us to work hard.
1: Yeah, because we want to crush it.
0: Yeah, look at Shark Tank. You know, so many stories of the blood, sweat, and tears. And here's the thing. I'm not going to say that that doesn't work because it can. It can. You can do that. There is nothing wrong with it. People have succeeded. One of the things about Gary Vaynerchuk or maybe I would even say Tony Robbins, however, I want to like clarify about those two humans, in particular and I'm speaking specifically to Gary more than Tony because I don't know Tony's work that well or his like the way he operates as a human as much as I do Gary, but Gary loves working. So working is getting him in alignment where I think Tony also has that kind of like that he loves that. But also what I love about Tony is that he always talks about peak state and that is alignment. It's just his word for it. So what Abraham teaches is an alternative to this intense, laborious plodding along to get outcomes that we want. The way they say to do it is to be as happy as you possibly can be, literally to the happiness or the emotional state that you would feel as if you already had whatever you want, and then take action. So they're not saying don't take any action, but they're also not stressing that action in any proportion that is what society has taught us is actually necessary. What's most important, I would say that it's not like action's unimportant. It's just that it's secondary to the alignment and that the alignment's doing the leverage. The actions are just an extension of the alignment. Now, alignment, for people that are like, what is that? Your emotional well-being or state of being. So you could work really, really hard and have a crappy attitude and you're probably not going to get, I mean, there's kind of like the Ebenezer Scrooge way and like you can still eke out a living or a a version of thriving that's not really thriving because you're not happy. So why are you doing it anyways? But you can do it that way. But they're saying you can do this so much easier, so much more fluidly, so much more flowingly, so much more magically seeming if you just get your frequency, your emotional state high first, and then do the actions that feel inspired from that emotional state. Not the things you can do stuff you plan to do beforehand when you were maybe in a low state, but. Often, the state, once you're in that high-flying state and feeling great, the actions or the inspiration to take an action might be qualitatively different than what you originally set out to do and exponentially easier or more fun. Just actually for me preparing these episodes for these next coming weeks, I was working on one that I'd already been preparing and then it didn't feel like flow and so I was like, well, what does feel better? The What feels more in alignment? And in that place, because I'd been working on my alignment the whole day, this episode is literally what you're listening to because of it. So hopefully you like this. I don't know. I'll share the other one later. So, it's about getting super aligned. And by super, I mean as much as you can, given your circumstances and your willingness to try this. And then, blank. Now, if you do that, I wager massive action, unless it's massively fun, is not necessary. So, if it's massively fun, act, right? Gary Vaynerchuk loves working, you know? So, do it as long as it feels fun and don't win. It doesn't. Now, I know this goes against most of, like we've said, our traditional way of living, but I think we've also been coming out of a place of scarcity and survival mentality. And our survival mentality is no longer necessary in many cases. I'm not going to say every case, but many times we're just living out of an old script that was resonant for generations or situations that are not our own. And we're not using our own circumstances, our own awareness, and our own consciousness nearly to the level that we could. And I think this is going to be huge when we start to realize that this is so powerful.
1: And would you say that this also kind of aligns with, there's that really famous Buddha quote where success is not the key to happiness, happiness is the key to success?
0: Yes, everything says that. I mean, there's so many places that say things like this. Yes.
1: So when they say happiness, you could also replace that with alignment.
0: Yes. You know what's so interesting is, we have millions of vocabulary for emotion. I don't have millions. We have probably a few hundred, but you know, we got a lot. But we probably only have, I don't know how many neural peptides we actually have. There are different physical states, but we can define them however we want. So really, I just say whatever feels good or better than where you're at. So wherever you're at, Try to feel better than where you're at. And it be, obviously, give yourself compassion and don't beat yourself up if you're super low. And recognize that anger is actually medium on the negative emotion scale. So if you start to feel angry, that could be an improved emotion if you were in depression before because it's higher. There's more energy behind anger than there is behind depression. And there's an energetic scale that goes along with emotion. And you don't wanna stay in anger forever. It's just a stopping point. It's just a part of the journey up the emotional scale. And we've talked about that in other episodes, the emotional scale is a really important thing to remember. But happiness, don't get too tied up with it. Be as energetic, energized, excited, feeling
1: good, whatever feels good to you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that's different for everybody, right? I mean, everyone's personality type is different. So like you said, for Gary Vee, it's working hard all the time in like extreme action, but other people, that's not the case.
0: Yeah. I don't think most people have the extreme action is my extreme happiness. Now they might want to though. Like I do know some people that have that tendency. I just don't think it's nearly most people. I think most people Tend to want to have a balance of rest, relaxation, and all different types of experiences in their lives. So, I don't think that most people want to do one thing 34 hours a day, but some people do. And as long as it's making them happy, who is to say that that's a bad thing? If they're coming from joy, not from, you know, this sense of lack they're in alignment. And so that's nothing better could they be doing than doing things that bring them in alignment. I just think that a lot of other people might want to take a nap and that gets them in alignment, or they might want to bake some cookies or like play with their dog or their kids, you know, watch Gilmore girls and eat chocolate. Why are you talking about my secret thing? So I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's my one of my things that I do. And actually, that's an interesting example. So I think I told you this in a project we did, maybe I didn't, but here's an example of where you might even find that you'll want to take action once you're in this high-flying place. You just won't have to take as much. It'll just have much more leverage when you do. But I remember, this is a few weeks ago in London, I was cat sitting for my friends. I was doing all my alignment during the day. I'm very much an 80-20, and I know this is extreme, so I'm not saying other people should do this, but I'm an 80% alignment, 20% work person. And I spend 80% of my day getting in an alignment and then I do 20% at the end, a few hours of work until my energy goes down and like my work focus goes away and then I stop. And it's insane sounding to realize how incredible the business has gone with this mentality, but it truly, I believe, has everything to do with the alignment before action. So One of the things I did this other day, I was getting alignment, highlighting, researching, reading, doing everything that makes me, drinking tons of iced tea because I love iced tea. And then I decided in the afternoon to come home to the house that I was staying at and watch the Gilmore Girls and eat chocolates
1: on the sofa. Even though you had stuff that you needed to do.
0: Yeah, there was emails that I hadn't answered in a few days. I answer emails maybe twice a week, maybe three times. I don't know. VK might. But there's a lot of days where I'm not even looking or it's barely even being glanced at, which people would probably go, oh, my God, how could you even? It's fine. It's been fine. It's literally I have so much trust in the universe and I obviously do whatever I can to get into alignment to do these shows. I'm not like dropping off on the shows or something like that. But I really, really honor the alignment before action to a level that probably most people wouldn't try. But that's like what I'm the Abrahamster, as someone said. I really believe in this. So anyways, I'm sitting there eating chocolates, watching the Gilmore Girls at 4 p.m. And I'm kind of giggling to myself because I know I am fine to do this. But I was like, this is really... Even my own ego is
1: like, what are you really doing right now? You're playing hooky. That's what you're doing.
0: I'm playing hooky from a day where I just read things I love and studied subconscious stuff, right? Like I was like, I'm not even working and I have these emails that I wanted to do. But here's what I found. I watched Gilmore Girls and ate those beautiful chocolates with rose and lavender or whatever on my laptop. And I probably watched like the first episode and it's a rerun. I've already even seen these shows, but I still, it gets me in alignment, man. So I watched it. And then I think my I think it was the second episode. Maybe it was the first. I didn't pay attention. But I started to get bored or distracted from the episode. So I started popping in my email. So I had another tab open. And then I popped in the emails. And then I was like, oh, I can answer that. And that and that. That was easy. And then I popped back in and I went back to the Gumball Girls. And then I'd watch for like 10 more minutes. I don't even I wasn't timing any of this. I just noticed myself as I was feeling this ridiculous level of like, who am I right now? to go back in the emails. And I, in the interim of those, I don't know, two hours, whatever I was doing that, I finished all the work that I had said I wanted to do, gave my myself kind of permission not to do, and ended up doing it anyways. But it didn't even feel like work because I was eating chocolates and watching the Gilmore Girls more than I was answering the emails. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So I still took action, but it was not even consciously driven. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to self-motivate. And that's, I think, the big shift that Abraham tries to teach people is that you don't need this willpower force to like forcing yourself to do something. If you get as hyped up as you can and then do it, You're going to want to do the thing and you're going to do it from such a higher vibration. Your impact is going to be so much stronger. The thing that's going to be challenging for people is that our society is not structured for people to do the things that they want to do this much.
1: Yeah. So what happens when it's the opposite, where you're less naturally motivated, when you want to work on something, but all this negativity comes up or you have these roadblocks would you say that that's your intuition that you need to listen to?
0: Yeah, I would definitely recommend writing to your intuition to find out what's going on there because there might be some clarity in that and find out is it ego, is it intuition or what's calling you to not do it. But also if you can – Give yourself permission to go get happy and then look into that situation and see whether you even need to do it in the first place or you could hire that out, delegate it, see if it even resolves itself It's naturally. One time I had a situation with a client that wasn't happy about something and it was an email conversation and I kept believing in this whole process, right, of like alignment before action. So I would only answer her emails when I was in alignment. And so since I don't e- answer emails every day of the week by any means, it was, you know, I would wait a few days and then I would get an alignment and I would answer the email. And then she would respond. And she was coming from a low vibration and I was coming from the high, right? Because I kept only answering from the high. By the end of it, she completely flipped from what she was saying, maybe the first emails, you know, by the third or fourth email, she was like, yeah, I can't wait to work with you again. I was like, whoa. This went from unhappy wanted me to be kind of unhappy or justify her unhappiness. And I was just coming from the high place, coming from the high place, coming from the high place. And by the end, she was in the high place. It was crazy to watch. Actually, my friend Gregorio was trying to get me to stop saying crazy. It was magical to watch. I'm trying to replace crazy in my life to magical. It was magical to watch her own energy shift, but had I been responding and reacting the way she expected me to from her own vibration, would not have gone the way it did. And I was totally fine. Like if she didn't want to work with me anymore, it was totally fine for me. I knew that I did everything I could in the situation and I wasn't nervous about my behavior in any way the whole time. So it wasn't like I was like, oh my God, I totally did something terrible. I always was fine. But it was so interesting to watch her kind of go from like being disappointed to being super excited to work again. But it was her own energy that shifted. I just stayed consistently high.
1: You're completely changing the trajectory of how people are gonna start answering emails. This is exciting.
0: I don't know. I, I am only telling you guys this from an Abrahamster perspective of I am deeply experimenting in a rather extreme sounding way. And it's true, but I, I deeply believe in it. So it's like to me, to not give it the full effect that I can as much as I can is just limiting myself to what's possible for myself. So anyways, okay, let's move on to the next one. We have definitely probably hit the massive action over the head. So do you feel clear about massive action? You can take as much action as you want, but just do it from the alignment place first.
1: Super clear. You Check it off.
0: Okay. So should it feel easy and good all the time? Now, this is something that I have a friend that's listened to a lot of Abraham says, and he was, you know, going, well, he kind of has this tendency to have a little bit like a manic depressive kind of emotional swing. So really high states for long periods and then really low states for periods. So he was trying to figure out like how Abraham fits in with this. And I wanna say, first of all, Abraham is non-physical. So this is the band that's in the non-physical entities. Think of them, I guess, if you wanna pejoratively use the word ghost or something, like they're not in the physical. So they're in what I guess Christianity would call heaven but they're in a positive perspective of love and alignment 100% of the time. So when you're hearing them constantly being in alignment 100% of the time, you have to recognize you're never gonna hear them ever not say that or not be that because that's what they are. So I think that what's kind of useful maybe is for people to hear people like me or others that teach this stuff too, that are human. They do experience contrast sometimes to not always being in alignment because sometimes it can feel a little bit intimidating to always hear Abraham's aligned perspective and feel like we're falling so far short of that so much of the time. So no, it's not like it should feel easy and good all the time in that what they really want us to do is recognize contrast, which they say the word contrast for recognizing what you don't want and what you do want. We can call that all sorts of stuff. We can call that violence. We can call that conflict. We could call that anger. We could call contrast so many different things in our society, suffering. They just use the word contrast, which is not emotionally negative. It's important, right? So they're not judging what we don't want as negative. They're not saying it's suffering or like they're not labeling it in those ways that we would. They just say it's contrast. And that is why we are here in a universe that is not perfectly to our liking at all times. Because if we were always eating, let's say you love lobster. If you're always eating lobster, you're never growing. There's no change and change is growth. And our, literally, they've, scientists have proven the universe is expanding at this moment in time. And we're a part and a particle of that universe ourselves. So for us to not be in alignment with that expansion, literally it goes against our own nature as a part of the universe that is expanding. And they say the contrast of that preferences that we get to form. And the only way we form the preferences, the only way we know lobster is our favorite food is because we've had clams and steak and bubblegum. And we realized we didn't like that stuff as much as lobster. It's the only way we can even have a preference is to have contrast. And that's why we often when we notice it, though, we feel like that contrast is terrible and we dwell on it, and we focus on it. And then with law of attraction, it answers that focus on the negative and brings negative experiences into our life. because Not because we deserved it, not because we're worthy of it. It's just because we're thinking about it. And so that's what's coming up. That's what the emotional set point is. That is what the experiences are going to represent. Even if you just look at this from a brain reticular activating system mentality, even if you don't even go law of attraction on this, your brain like when you buy the car that you have, everyone has the same car. That's your reticular activating system, looking out for the things that are important to you based on what you've been noticing. So I believe that your alignment or high or low, good or bad, is going to trigger that reticulating activating system, even if you're not even going to get into the law of attraction aspects, which I deeply believe are also happening at the same time. So contrast we define usually as not easy or good. (laughs) And so we stay stuck focusing on it. And so we feel like we're doing this so far differently than them. They would say, look at the contrast, see it, notice it, stop saying it's terrible, first of all, also, just notice it as contrast, and then focus on what you do want. And if you can jump in and out of that state of alignment to make the preference, the new decision, the new desire, and then go back in to that Aligned state, focusing on what you do want as if it's already here and being happy and in alignment, then it can kind of feel easy and good almost all the time. You know, like you can go out and then you come back in, out and in. And sometimes they do kind of make it sound like they kind of blanket statement. I've noticed like they'll say it should always feel like that. But then other times they've done it and they'll be like more clear about it and they'll be like, you know, well, technically the contrast part, you don't have to always be in alignment. And they also talk about steps that they've kind of come up with in more recent years that are talking about being okay when we are in a point of contrast and not even letting that ruin our emotional mood, but just be like, oh, how fascinating. Now I have a new desire. We just like suck so badly at focusing on what we want that it's like we want a blue elephant, but we see a purple one or something and we can't get the purple one out of our heads. So we just get more purple elephants.
1: I've heard a way to acknowledge the contrasting feelings is from the viewpoint of a scientist. So you're just constantly observing things. So if something negative is happening that you're affected by, you know, to go into your brain and think, hmm, that's really interesting. I'm going to make note of how I feel as this happens, you know, something that's really interesting. Now I know that I'm going to feel so much better when something that is non-contrasting that is happening. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. And I think hopefully that really hits it home for people in a way that I wasn't saying. That's brilliant. Yes. That's also very Buddhist to say that you're just going to observe what's happening. Michael Singer's Untethered Soul talks a lot about this. Just observing. Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about observing because observing de-escalates the judgment, right? Right. Because your judgment creates this emotional state around it. If you can observe, even if it is the emotional state itself, but whatever you can do to de-escalate your attachment to your emotional or judgmental beliefs around it, that's going to de-escalate a lot. And it's going to slow it all down, slow down the momentum. It is literally, they always say, it's like picking up the other end of the stick. So if you want a relationship but you are more aware of the fact that you're not in one right now than that you are, you have a consciousness or an energy or a focus on singleness. And so you're gonna get more of that. And if you are, want a career that's different, but you're so aware of the one you have now and how much you hate it, that's gonna keep reflecting back to you. Not even, if you maintain it for a really long time, you can drag other areas of your life that aren't even related down with it. So that's kind of the interesting thing. And I don't want to freak anyone out and go, oh my God, anytime I want to, Avery talks about this when they started this, people were trying to like suck up their bad thoughts. Like, like, I can't, I need to not think that. Like, take that back. Like sucking up all the things. You don't have to worry too much, but you have to be aware that ruminating on either a positive or a negative thing and making it the major focus of a part of your life will bring other areas of your life up or down according to the major focus. So the better it gets, the better it gets, the worse it gets, the worse it gets. This is why often people get so many job offers when they're not even trying or once they finally get the the one that they wanted, then all these other ones come in. Or when you're dating and all of a sudden you will go from like a long single spell to like so many people, it's the law of attraction setting in. Wow. So does that make sense about whether it should feel easy and good all the time?
1: Yeah, it does. It totally does.
0: It does not always have to feel easy and good all the time, guys. Just recognize we want to spend as little time as possible focusing on what we don't want and get back into alignment with what we do, which comes into you perfectly into this next point, which is what is the first manifestation? So how do we know we got a manifestation and what is it? and this is really awesome and it's not going to make most people happy. Most egos will not be happy about this as I'm going to say it. The first manifestation you're going to have is your emotional state. So that is an actual manifestation. It's not the car, the money, or the partner yet, but it is the first manifestation and the other physical reality follows after it. So we have to reverse the evidence of the senses. This is something I read in the Master Key System and I wrote it down about 50 times to really, like like a kid with a chalkboard, whereas like you get punished and like you have to write I will be nice to Sally or something like that a million times. I wanted to literally train my brain to reverse the evidence of the senses. We are trained growing up that we are happy at Christmas more than we are 30 days before. We're trained to believe that the weekend's better than the weekdays. We're trained to be happy when we get our bike. We're trained to be happy when anything in our physical senses happens. Then we have an emotional state based on those physical senses. And this whole premise is about the emotional state precursing the physical
1: senses. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, no wonder we're all screwed up from our childhoods. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> so many reasons but if you can recognize and shift this for yourself and be as happy as if it was christmas every day because it's just your choice it's just a label you put on one day you could easily apply the same feelings to any day because it's really your choice and based on a set of beliefs that you have and hold so if we can learn to reverse the evidence so we'll get into how to in our next point coming up so don't worry if you're worrying about how to do this but that is the way to do this. You wanna feel the feeling first, you're physically gonna sense it second, it's gonna show up later. Now, one of the ways to tell if we are you know, saying we want abundance and health and success or whether we actually are at the frequency of it is a few different things. One, I like to say the word thirsty. If you feel thirsty for the thing that you want, you're not satiated which is the satiation is feeling like you already have it. You have to feel physically, emotionally, right? Feel, like physically being your physical feelings activated by your emotions. You have to have those feelings as if you already have it. That's the alignment. That's the satiation. That's the first manifestation. If you still feel thirsty for it, you don't have the frequency of it yet. So no matter how much you say success or wealth, 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 that's nada. It's only the feeling of abundance, the feeling of affluence, the feeling of those experiences that actually does the manifestation is the attracting power. So another way to look at this is a little circle thing. So imagine yourself, you can either do this on like on a piece of paper or actually physically imagine a little like hula hoop around yourself. I used to think of it more on a piece of paper and now I'm literally thinking of it as my actual energy field or just like a little hula hoop of energy around me. And think about the aspects of your life that your attention goes to, like career, relationship, hobbies, children, whatever those aspects of your life that you tend to focus on are. And think about whether the hula hoop that your energy field is, is it full and kissing these other, let's imagine each little aspect of our life are these circles or these hula hoops, right? So are we having hula hoops that kind of like, kiss each other. Like they're, they're touching, but they're not overlapping and they're not super far away from each other. They're kind of all like I've got a very full circle. I'm, I'm not needing any of these other aspects of my life to provide my feeling. Like I'm feeling good on my own. So I'm, I'm kissing with my little hula hoop, all these other aspects. Or am I trying to pull in one of these aspects and overlap it with my hula hoop? Because if I have that feeling, what's actually happening is then there's like that kind of and you see the hula hoops overlap, there's a perceived hole, that thirsty feeling right there. It's like, oh my God, I got to pull this aspect in so I can feel complete. I'm so glad I have you on this right now. So does that even make sense what I'm explaining
1: with this hula hoop thing? Can I have an example, like in regards to whether it's relationships, career,
0: yeah. So you could say, let's say you want a relationship. So you have your circle, and you feel like all these other areas, like, are kissing. Like you're like, my career is great, but I don't rely on it for my emotional well-being. My children are great, but I'm not reliant on them. And any time that it's not going well, I'm wrecked, right? But if you're really like, oh my gosh, I'm a single mom, and I don't have the partner yet, and you feel this huge gaping hole, it's as if you're trying to pull that aspect that's not in your life into that circle to fill it up. You're personal hula hoop that's around your waist right now has this gap. And that gap is what you're trying to fill with this other aspect that's missing. But when you pull that circle too tight, you pull that other hula hoop into your own zone, you're just going to have this overlapping. Think of it as like a Venn diagram where there's that overlapping aspect. Whenever you pull that area in, that middle area that's in both circles is actually empty because that aspect of your life's not here yet. And so you're feeling that thirstiness. This is just a weird way of me thinking about the thirsty feeling, but from an energy perspective is just thinking, does my energy feel whole right now? Does my hula hoop feel like it's completely filled within myself, with my own alignment, with my own feelings? And I'm not leaning on any of these aspects of my life to provide that feeling. They're there, but I'm not reliant upon them because that's me reversing the
1: evidence of the senses. What does it take to get people to acknowledge these emotions and reprogram their brains? What are the next steps? How, do, how can people get to that point?
0: Okay. How can they fill in their hula hoop or how can they stop feeling thirsty? Yes. It's a great question. we can actually do a whole episode on just that subject. So let me tell you one way to do it, which is my next point. So let's move on because it's going to answer how to fill in your own energy so there's no lack and also, I will say, all of the Abrahams with someone sitting in the hot seat are literally designed to help people with this. You can also see thousands of their hours of explaining. So there's that too. But let me go on to self-love, Abraham style. So self-love was something that my intuition kept telling me, especially this year, in particular, that that was a big piece of what I was looking for to learn and explore in my own life. And I kept ignoring completely everything it was saying. I would get it, and I'd ignore it. Get it, and I'd ignore it. I'd show my friends about my intuition. And then my friend, Reese, would be like, Jess, you know, it's really telling you, you need to look for yourself. <laughs> look into yourself. Get it like, you're finding yourself right now. And I was like, screw that. <laughs> I want a boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, I want a boyfriend, right? Yeah, I wanted a partner. So this this self-love thing. So I finally broke down and I decided, all right, I'm going to look this up. I love researching. So why don't I just research this like I love researching everything else? And so I looked at a few different sources and then I was like, why don't I see what Abraham has to say about this? And it was eye-opening. So what the big big takeaway they said is that we want and crave the love that is us rather than to have love focused at us.
1: Oh, Whew. that's deep.
0: That is a boom. That is a boom right there. So we want to. We don't really want self love that's like focused at our physical personality. Though it's nice, you know, when people or ourselves do feel like we appreciate all these nice aspects of ourselves. Great, but we're really craving. When we say self-love is the part of us that the self that is love rather than having it focused at us. So here's a quote that is Abraham that I just found so helpful. There is a difference between loving me and being me who loves. And it's being me who loves that is really you. And when you are being me who loves, it's easy to love that one and that one and that one. And then it becomes irrelevant who your object of love is if you're loving. What difference does it make? What is the reason? What is the focal point for the love that you're feeling? What possible difference does it make? And then someone asked her or him or they, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. They said, why is it hard for me and others to look at our own human self and not feel the same ripple of appreciation and love? And Abraham replied, because you're looking for love to be focused at you rather than to be focused through you. So I think of this as a little hose, like we're when we're looking for self-love and they're saying is self rather the love that is self, not the love th- of self I think of it as like a hose that has water flowing through it and when we are wanting someone else to love us or wanting our own self-love but we're not feeling it it's like we've kinked the hose and in that absence of appreciation you can you can also do this about like I don't have enough money you can kink yourself off in any way, where you block your own appreciation in your life. And when they really nailed this home for me around the self-love thing, since that was what constantly kept coming up for me in my letters to my intuition, I decided to go all in and basically made this my number one priority, my superpower, if you will. I want to develop a strong, stable appreciation muscle that I can turn on at will. I want this to be like, you know some people have like really great biceps or hamstrings. I want this superpower and this muscle to be like the most powerful muscle that I have. Because also to go back, this is the first manifestation for everything we want. This ability to appreciate puts us in that high-flying place. So how to do this is to do anything that makes you happy. And like we said before about massive action, like you can take action To make yourself happy, that might be looking at Pinterest or it might not, or it might be taking a yoga class or that might not, right? Whatever you might wanna do, you can do things, but doing them because they feel joyful, not because you have to do them in terms of getting into alignment. So for me, what's most consistently gets me in alignment lately is reading about the subconscious and all of this stuff, writing down a lot of notes and then highlighting like crazy while drinking lots of iced tea. That is my warm up. To getting into alignment. And then once I feel a pretty good buzz going, my friend Erica prefers yoga class rather than like my massive amounts of research. So you have to find what works for you to make you happy. But then the workout, the warm up is just you getting feeling pretty good. Then think of this like kind of like a sprinter, right? Does a long warm up and then they do the workout. The workout is once I'm already in a pretty good feeling place. I may not be at level 10, but I might be at like level 7 after I've gotten pretty good, then I will go do five pages of appreciation, double spaced on my computer. So I'll write down five pages of things that I appreciate. This is something I've been doing for the last few weeks and ever since I decided to make this a superpower, this is like kind of think of it as like me doing my squats or my reps in a muscle that I'm building in the gym. This is my way of building that reticular activating system so strongly Focus towards appreciation. So, five pages, and I try to think of things that are conditional and focusing on unconditional things when possible, too.
1: And I've heard you note know before, and I don't know if we've recorded it, but you know, you always hear list three things you're grateful for, but you're going like extreme with this.
0: Yeah, five pages double spaced. So, two and a half pages single spaced. I, thank you, Abraham, heard them say it once on one of their things. They said, write five pages of appreciation. <laughs> And I was like, all right, I'm going to do that.
1: You're the hamster. Done.
0: (laughs) Abrahamster. hamster. I'm doing it. So I felt so good. I couldn't – like after I've already got a good warm-up where I'm already feeling pretty good, then I go into this like massive rampage of appreciation. I'm pretty much like jumping off of a diving board into work. Like I'm so amped up. It's like I've been a toy that's like got one of those little white twisty like wind-up things on it. And I'm wound it up so much that like once I've let go of that, like I'm so excited. I come from this great place and the work flows really well most of the time. So I want to say just doing this with a dead sprint without the warm up, it's a lot harder, I think, to get to the same level of appreciation. And also to your point, yes, think of it like calories. If you write three things you're appreciative of, it's like having three calories. Is a grape a, a nice little snack? Yeah. But how long does that keep you full? Not very long. When I'm doing this, I'm doing this five pages. It takes, I counted today, I got to four and a half pages in 20 minutes, 22 minutes. So about 25 minutes of appreciation. Think about how much my neural peptides, by that point of 25 minutes of appreciation, it is really amped up. And I know most people might say this sounds insane and crazy, but I'm the Abrahamster. I'm not saying you need to do this. I'm just telling you to get the most benefit out of this. This is what I found. And also, it's not common to spend so much time doing this. But if, as Price Pritchard says, if you want to get uncommon results, do uncommon things. So no, most people aren't doing this. But that doesn't mean that the results by doing this can't be truly powerful.
1: And you think it's the time spent doing this. So you could even focus on a handful of things, but really concentrate on why you're so appreciative of these things, correct?
0: Yeah, I think you could probably do one page and spend, let's say, if it takes 25 minutes to do five pages, if you spend 25 minutes focusing on one thing that you appreciate and all of the aspects of that one thing but then you probably come up with like five pages of things about that one thing you'd appreciate. So you're kind of still like kind of doing the same thing, but I do, I believe it's the amount of time spent activating those hormones and those emotions and those neural peptides in your body. That's what I think really is the powerful piece. And I don't know, maybe long-term, I'll be able to get so strong at this that I can get to that same frequency emotionally. That set point that I'm getting to in five pages, maybe I could get there in one. I I don't know, but I can just tell you by doing five, it's a totally game-changing experience compared to any type of gratitude I've ever done before. But I also would say I would have a hard time if I was going straight into the rampage of appreciation, the five-page writing, if I did it before doing anything else It already got my mood from the morning, pretty happy to begin with. It's really like... Just try it if you're interested. Try spending as long as you can in the morning and do it maybe on the weekend, right? Like don't pressure yourself if like Wednesday is really stressful for you. Maybe don't start there. Try it on a Saturday where you might have some more time and obviously given your circumstances, but try to do something that makes you really happy. Maybe if you're breastfeeding, you watch Gilmore Girls or whatever you wanna watch and then you know, try to do a five-page thing of appreciation if you can and see after already spending time being happy, what your experience is like be a abrahamster yourself try this out and see what the experience is like for you maybe you won't find it's right maybe you will your intuition will let you know either way whether it's either something to try or not but i just want people to know this information in case it's useful
1: and then once you get to that point that's when you're high vibing throughout the day and when the law of attraction really works in your favor
0: yeah exactly Abraham once said and it totally summarizes how I view work. It said I'm going to spend time getting really really happy and do everything I can with the energy I have left by the end of that or something like that. And it was like that is exactly how I am. Now, I used to grind, I used to stress, I used to hustle, and a lot of people will think, "Jess, didn't you have to do all that hustling to get where you are? Like, didn't you have to do that and now you have this luxury of being able to do it this way?" Now, I can't truly tell you because I can't go back and change the trajectory of how things unfolded because I didn't know any better and I wasn't in the frequency in this. I was in the frequency of hustle and hard work for a long time. I remember my dad like yelling at me in kindergarten about soccer and like not hustling hard enough. I was a kindergartner in soccer. Like I was definitely taught to hustle. So I grew up with that feeling of got to do it, got to do it. And I just think now I could have done it so maybe much faster and definitely more easily had I done this stuff sooner. But I just was not ready for it and I wasn't – and by the way, I don't like blame my dad or anything for that. He really wanted us to be hustlers and he really valued that mentality and it worked well for him in his own life. But I don't think that's the only way you need to live your life. And I can now say, try it and see what works for you. That's all I can really say Let's try and see what works for you. How do you feel about any of this now?
1: Good. I mean, you know, before we recorded this, I was saying that things were not flowing to me. I felt like I was having some roadblocks because before to get into flow for me was and still is listening to music, going on Spotify, listening to some tunes and like visualizing me being the best version of myself on a really good day. And then from there it's like I skyrocket and I'm in and I'm in a really really good place. But for some reason it just it was just not working for me today. So I'm excited that we got to talk about it.
0: Yeah. What do you think about the five pages of appreciation?
1: I love it. I mean, it's oh, it's daunting, you know, when you first hear it, you're like, "Oh man, that's, that seems like a lot of homework."
0: <laughs> and if you're doing it from a low place, it will be homework. Yeah. And you shouldn't do it from that. That's why I say it's the workout, not the warm-up.
1: Which I think is so true. And I like the quote that you said.
0: Yeah. So is this common to spend so much time doing this? Absolutely no. But if you want to get uncommon results, do uncommon things. Boom. And that's a paraphrasing. I don't know if that's a direct quote from him, but You Squared is this really short little pamphlet that Price Pritchett wrote. And then my friend James, who was just recently on the show, told me about it. And I loved it so much. I just spent 34 pounds to get this like 50 page handbook sent to me because it's mostly shipping. It was only like a $10 book, but they don't do it on Kindle. So I paid it and I happily now have just this little book that just kind of keeps reiterating this idea of getting geometric results, not incremental, but geometric, like squared to the third level to the fourth level results means you have to do different things that are uncommon, that are not what most people do, because most people are getting common results, because that's why it's common. So to get the uncommon results, try uncommon things. And I would say like Tony Robbins, who loves massive action, I'm not saying he's not right. He talks about peak state first, though. He's still teaching get into alignment first, then take the action. So even him and Gary just thrives. He's just like breathing off of all the work is his alignment all day. So we have to remind ourselves, especially for those people that are super jazzed about all that action to recognize even with them, they're still getting into alignment, too. They're not suffering through their days. So if you're suffering through the actions you're taking, you're coming from a low vibe, And that would be the time to go get into alignment first. And also from that better feeling place, you may even realize that the situations that you're in that you really hate doing all these things in are maybe not even the right situations for you to be in. But your thinking and your vibration has just attracted that because it's been at a lower state. And as you increase that state, you may even attract a new situation or circumstance or a new idea or action to take in it that will totally change how you feel about it. But the only way you're going to know what's going to happen there is to get as happy as you can before you go into that aspect. And then so it's everything is get us happy. And then
1: you and Pharrell Williams, you have the same mindset.
0: I love Pharrell Williams. And you talked about Spotify. That's exactly who I think. What did he say?
1: No, it was his song because I'm happy.
0: Oh, I listen to it on repeat when I run.
1: That makes sense. That's hilarious now. I'm always going to visualize you running to that song.
0: Yeah, for like 30 minutes, I'll listen to that same song on repeat. Because it does. It gets you into alignment. It gets me into alignment. Sometimes, though, if I'm out of the frequency, I'm like, no, can't listen. Not now. Well, Megan, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking with me. I'm glad you might be feeling a little more curious to try the five-page appreciation.
1: I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I want uncommon results.
0: Uncommon results. I love it. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And Megan, thank you for coming on the show. If you want to send Megan a message, you can do so over on Instagram at Pictory Video. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, as always, you can find me at Jess C, as in can't stop slash won't stop watching Abraham Hicks videos lively. For show notes for this episode, head over to jesslively.com slash law of attraction clarity. Now for where I'm headed to next, I'm off to Ann Arbor. I have a friend's wedding celebration. I'm speaking at the University of Michigan Business School to the students and telling them everything I wish I knew when I was in their shoes, literally at that school as well. And just hanging out in Ann Arbor because Ann Arbor is such a cool town. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today.